Welcome back to our study of the Psalms. We are looking at Psalm 29 today. Uh, Psalm 29 is an interesting psalm. It's been connected to uh, a storm by uh, Kidner in his commentary, Spurgeon as well um, in his uh, Treasury of David, where he deals with the Psalms. Uh, it's even been connected to the flood itself, the flood from Noah's day uh, by Hamilton in his commentary. He makes uh, some compelling arguments in that direction. Uh, Spurgeon says about this psalm uh, this, he says, just as the eighth psalm is to be read by moonlight when the stars are bright, as the 19th needs the rays, the, so the 19th psalm needs the rays of the rising sun to bring out its beauty. So this, Psalm 29, can be best rehearsed beneath the black wing of tempest by the glare of the lightning or amid that dubious dusk which heralds the war of elements. So. Uh, what he's saying is, if we have in our our mind's eye at least the background of a dark, brooding storm and the clash of lightning and things like that, that will help us understand and visualize what David is talking about and drawing our attention to in this psalm. So let's start with the first couple of verses. It's a psalm of David, of course. And it says, Ascribe to the Lord, O heavenly beings, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. So, first of all, that word ascribe is not a word that we use just real often. So what does it mean? It means uh, essentially to, to say about someone what they are like, right? Or, or who they are, what defines them. So, to ascribe to the Lord glory and strength is, is really simply to say, God, you are strong, you are mighty, you are glorious, you are good, you are powerful. You're ascribing those attributes to him. You're telling him, this is what I know you to be like. This is who you are. And so he is calling upon these heavenly beings, which could be uh, angels, um, could be um you know, it could even be, Hamilton says, could even be a reference to the sons of God uh, who are mentioned in Genesis 6, right before the flood. And, of course, even the interpretation of who those people are is debated. Are those angels? Are those men? What What's going on there? So there's, there's a lot um, that is hard to be sure about. But what is clear, right, is that David is calling for uh, God to be honored and, um, and worshipped. Right there at the end of verse 2. And then verses 3 through 9, uh, he talks about God's mighty voice. Uh, so starting verse 3, he says, The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders the Lord over many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The Lord breaks the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon to skip like a calf and Syrian like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord flashes forth flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord makes the deer give birth and strips the forests bare, and in his temple all cry glory. Okay, so in those verses, what David is doing over and over is talking about the power, the might, of God's voice. So this seems to be uh, recalling Genesis chapter 1, where 
the word voice may not be used, but God is speaking and bringing things into existence, right? So God speaks and he says, you know, let there be light and there was light. So we see the power of God's word, of God's voice, as it were, in creation. And here we see something similar as uh, God's power is communicated uh, through God's voice. So it's connected to um, thunder. Uh, it's connected to, or it's, it's said to be powerful in verse 4 and full of majesty. Um, its power is seen in verse 5 in breaking the cedars of Lebanon, right? So the cedars of Lebanon being sort of the, the gold standard of trees uh, in the Bible. They're, they're mighty trees, and they're just being broken uh, by God's word. It is... Um, Voice is connected to a, a flame of fire, which um, I think Hamilton says could be a reference to lightning. Um, also, if you look back at uh, verse 3, when it says, uh, the voice of the Lord is over the waters, there's another connection to Genesis 1 there, where uh, not only does God speak and bring things into existence, but also it says that the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters, so there could be another Genesis 1 connection there as well. Um, and what God's voice is able to do here um, is to um, move what seems immovable, right? To bring about um, dramatic change. Um, so, for example, verse 8, the voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness, right? So think of like uh, maybe a, a forest or something, right? Because we've been talking about trees um, and can God's voice, you know, what would it take to move that? Well, God's voice can shake it. Um, the voice of the Lord in verse 9 causes the deer, makes the deer to give birth, and strips the forests bare. And in his temple all cry glory. So this is a dramatic power of God's voice. And then finally, verse 10 and 11, it says, The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord sits enthroned as king forever. May the Lord give strength to his people. May the Lord bless his people with peace. Now here, um, Hamilton, I think, points out uh, about verse 10 that this is the only time that this word flood is used outside of talking about the actual flood in the book of Genesis. Um, and so that's a significant connection to the flood itself. But it could just mean, uh, it could just be a reference to the earth, which is covered mostly in water, even when there's not a flood. And the gods that's enthroned over all of that. He's enthroned over all the earth. He is the king. He is the one who rules. And David prays uh, to the God who's king over everything, the one true God, right? For He asks him for strength, right? And for blessing uh, and for peace. Okay, so how does all this connect to Jesus? Well, Jesus, of course, um, is the word. John 1 says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. So in, in a sense, um, Jesus is the voice of the Father, right? He is the revelation uh, of the Father. He is God who came to make God known in the flesh. Um, Jesus also speaks with authority and power, uh, like David talks about uh, God doing here in this psalm. So, for example, at the end of the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 7, it says, when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. 
he speaks with power in John 18 when the men come to arrest him, led by Judas on the night of his betrayal. Uh, Jesus says, you know, whom do you seek? And they tell him, Jesus of Nazareth. And then it says in verse uh, 6 of John 18, when Jesus said to them, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground, which I think indicates the power that comes with Jesus confessing his identity as the I am, as God himself. Similarly, in Revelation chapter 1, when John has his heavenly vision of Jesus resurrected and glorified, he says, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet. Right, So that's how John describes hearing Jesus's voice. And then he, he says to him what Jesus uh, tells us what Jesus says to him. And then he describes what it looked like when he saw Jesus in this heavenly vision. Uh, and part of what he says is, is this. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze refined in a furnace. And his voice was like the roar of many waters. So again, there the, uh, the power of his voice is communicated in the way that it's sounds right to John as he hears it uh, and then finally what can we learn to pray from Psalm 29 well one thing we can do is we can announce God's attributes tell him who he is God you're faithful God you're kind God you're merciful God you're good you're strong uh, all those things are good for us to affirm uh, in prayer also we can recall that God has the the ability the power to speak and make it so to uh, remind God, you know, to tell God, we know that like, you could, you could just make this happen. You could just speak this into existence. You can handle this. We should also rejoice that God is King. Be glad that He's in control, that He reigns, that He's sovereign. That though so many things in our lives and in the world are outside of our control, we know they are not outside of His control. And then finally, ask for the uh, ask for might. From the Almighty, right? God is powerful. God is um, omnipotent. And so we should ask him for power, for strength. And that's how David ends the prayer, right? May the Lord give strength to his people. We need his strength. We are weak, but he is strong. And so we should ask him to give us strength in Jesus' name. God bless.